Ryle Centre Theatre presents its SBL drama series as Soundbite Life. Episode 3, A Life Hanging in the Balance. Life is full of uncertainty. It does not come in a special package, gift-wrapped with instructions, requiring competence for passage, endurance for the journey, and strength for safety. Or does it? One thing is certain, everyone is looking for something. Sweet dreams. Or so song says, everyone is looking for something. Some of them want to use you. Some of them want to be used by you. Some of them want to abuse you. Some of them want to be abused. Yes, so says that song. But is this true? One very high-level report on Pina resolves that that's what was on her mind when the hail of bullets came. That she was in the tunnel which was curved leading toward the curb and that she was hurrying through to the curb, expecting the usual flurry of foot traffic at the terminal's exit, when she spun around in frustration to confront an annoyance. Right then, a wild screech of brakes and a deafening crash drew her breath and stopped her dead in her tracks. Before she could gather her wits to turn to assess the danger, a round of bullets blasted the surrounding glass into a million bits, and that's when she dropped to the floor, and in that split moment, all her previous training came into fluid focus, so she had dropped and slid perfectly across the floor, then began to crawl, her eyes darting even as her ears were covered against the wild splinters. They deduced that she could hear her watery heartbeat above the overarching violence. They deduced further from all her reactions that it was apparent she believed that whoever began the shooting, it was the military that arrived that quickly with guns blazing, riddling a dog. They deduced even further that even in the midst of the noise of urban warfare, she heard the rumble. But that was hardly the only report on Pina, or contraire, for she and the lad, Clay, unbeknownst to both of them, had long drawn a broad spectrum of interests, secret societies demanding frequent reports, secret agencies suspicious of their every move. Military agents interested in their unusual contacts. And the power elite, for reasons of such high levels of secrecy, a mere suspicion of their secrets would stir an apocalyptic panic. The only common thread in this matter evidenced so far amongst the aforementioned groups is a notion that life is hanging in a peculiar balance. Indeed, as Pina had learned from the sage when she was but a girl, life is a circle 
or else it cuts far too quickly, leaving its puzzle unresolved, rendering the larger riddle quite tricky. What the aforementioned entities wanted from the golden beauty Pina and this brilliant lad Clay was it. Yes, it. In every portfolio, in every file, in every report, it was highlighted alongside the known identities of the select few in possession of it. The Bogusons, on the other hand, are quite adept at faking it. The aforementioned secret societies, secret agencies, military agents, and the power elite were deathly fearful of having the real it and the fake it mixed. Oh, that would be disastrous. So where does these two hide the real it? In this high-level report, the idea that Pino is masking her it in sweet dreams was a strong focus. In another quarter, the idea that she was hiding it in her love had gained prominence. Love is the ideal hiding place for it, they reason, for love is peculiar in these parts. People pine in love and pine out of love. They pine from love and pine for love. The facts of this peculiar incident in the tunnel point, they claim, to a woman that was pining, consumed by love and pursued for love. Consider the facts of who first occupied her mind whilst she was cooped up in this danger. The dog that was riddled was not... Any ordinary dog, they deduced, that dog was being removed precisely because of why it was guarding her and how it was guarding her. In fact, that dog was not just a dog, nor just a guard dog. That dog was not a dog. That dog took the bullets intended for her. Therefore, I say, the secret to finding it is with that dog. Another high-level session reporting on Pina focused on the song that came to her mind in the midst of this tragedy. Was this a song of love or was this a threat? They point to other findings scanned from her possessions, scanned with laser beam precision from afar, four secret notes being fetched secretly in her purse. The first note says this, Projecting the slides of our perfections, we inadvertently distract each other from the sparkling gems of our lives our truest inspiration, authenticity. Aha! What does that mean? And why would she keep it in such a secret place? And why would she be carrying it with her? The second note said this. The lyrics of the soul are etched 
on slides of imperfection and given music in the trap. It is a song that swells beyond the moment. Aha! The song that swells beyond the moment. Here is a third, carried secretly in her purse, a definition for all intents and purposes. Fantasies, momentary erasures of imperfections. Hmm. These paint a very clear picture, especially considering that the fourth note says this. Happiness comes more easily when you feel good about yourself without feeling the need for anyone else's approval. Now, how sweet is that? We deduce from these that someone knows exactly where she's hiding it and wants to keep her running from it. Someone else knew this very incident would occur, planted those notes exactly where she would find them, instructing her how to keep herself disguised, which strongly suggests that somewhere hiding in the dark is a third person heading to rescue her. It seems to me, in order for us to claim it, we need to find who those three are. These, of course, were not the only teams fetching reports on Pina. This author, by way of a great teller, had an astute awareness of a far deeper mystery into which Pina had slipped and knew that three hands would be extended to her. The interest of this entity was not in it for the sake of it. Their interest was far deeper. Having watched the first hand that was extended to Pina, this great teller was about to reveal the second. Let me, please. Thank you. This time, the man extending his hand was more mature and his eyes were kind. She remembered this man, well, sort of. She had caught a glimpse of him on the plane, seated beside the player that was hustling her. In fact, this man was the reason she had tugged the player along, allowing herself to stay disarmingly churlish despite her best instincts. She was actually trying to remember who this very man was. She wanted a good look at him. Distinguished, broad shouldered distinctive eyes. She distinctly remembered meeting his eyes before. In fact, she felt she knew him quite well, but could not think of a place or a name. Perhaps he was from her childhood, she wondered. Regina showed no sign of knowing him. Could he be a glimmer transmitted from her missing hours? Ah, 
Pina kept that secret well, even from Regina. The 18 hours of our life that's just gone blank. Totally unaccounted for, dangerously blank. Not that she wanted to keep it secret. She tried not to keep it a secret, but circumstances forced her. The man helped her off the floor and escorted her to the coffee shop to a chair facing the western vistas where the sun's ancient signals flashed from a mountain of autumnal clouds. She took a deep breath. And like a bird whose feathers had just been ruffled, she shook herself back into sorts and sat upright, seemingly implacable. Yet... Deep down, she had a weird feeling that those bullets were meant for her. No proof, just intuition. The very intuition that made her want to stay in the company of this man in a black coat, this man with such distinctive eyes, whom she'd swear she knows. But from where? Coffee or water? Thanks. Uh, or water. These momentary lapses in a single bead of sweat on her bloodless temple and the way she fiddled with her right ear lobe betrayed the violent quiver beneath her skin. She felt spared and wanted to be grateful but would rather not dwell on the matter, whether for good or ill. You don't know about me without you've read a book by the name of the Mysteries of Miss Pina. That book was made by Martin, and I tell the truth, mainly. Remembering how Martin used to say this to her in a crude, affected drawl, and how it used to make her giggle like a baby, was like a balm, like a poultice for the hurt beneath the tragic wound now scabbed over so very remembering how he used to let the words drag and drip from his lips was to her like a cooling rain in the desert heat if a fear could bring her down it was the fear that in some unguarded moment that scab would rip and her soul would bleed and she would bleed slowly to death so it helped to hear it again and again, you don't know about me without you read a book by the name of the Mysteries of Miss Pina. That book was made by Martin, and I tell the truth, mainly. She took a long and even breath, then exhaled smoothly, then repeated the sequence. there it was again, that distant rumble. Trouble somewhere, she'd come to think of it. Trouble somewhere. Lord have mercy. She remembered when she first began hearing this rumble. It was at the end of her missing hours. When she came to, she realized she was at the base of Olympus in her car with no memory of how she got there and no one around surprised by her being there. Her fingers came up to her earlobe. Her diamond earring was missing. 
on that lobe alone. Stranger still, it was the very lobe Martin loved taking between his lips and twirling with his tongue and nibbling. She used to warn him he'd swallow the diamond some day, but he'd just growl in her ear and make jokes about how that diamond would enrich him. And whatever else he'd whisper into her ears in those moments was so very private, it causes her even now to blush at the memories. That first time, though, as she was fiddling with her earlobe and discovering that the diamond was missing from that ear was the first time she heard the rumble. Distant, yet clear. Well, of course, Martin had told her about that rumble too. She had always thought he was being silly. He could be charmingly silly at times. Now, too many things were beginning to add up. So much of what Martin told her, odd as some of it was, was proving to be right on the money, or at least, so they seemed to be. And the very questions that plagued her when she first heard the rumble since then plagued her repeatedly. What stirs this rumble? Who is behind it, man, beast, angel, demon? Forces of nature clashing violently, one of the seven wars, a noisy confusion in her mind, the vibrations of our secret. Yes, that secret too. She wished Martin was around to hint at some answer. She wished she had asked him when she had the chance. Ah, there it was again, the rumble. She breathed. evenly and realized what coffee shop she was in Starbucks a used cup was on the table next to hers the quotation on the coffee cup attracted her attention stretching to get the cup she knocked her handbag over she picked up her handbag then grabbed the cup its heat sleeve was still on, masking part of the coat. It was a quotation from Ken Burns, a documentary filmmaker, and it was printed under the heading, The Way I See It. Quote, We must insist on listening to the voices of a true, honest, complicated past, unafraid of controversy or tragedy, but equally drawn to those stories and moments that suggest an abiding faith in the human spirit. Her companion returned with the water. She took it. Thank you. And gulped it. Her hands, though steady, beneath its skin, she quivered in her gratitude. She had not noticed the package that rolled out of her handbag and was embarrassed when he retrieved it. This rolled out of your handbag. Thank you. That's it. His name came to mind. Lex. Lex. Lex the legend. The storyteller renowned from the old country for telling tales in the tradition of the griots. Intriguing tales full of riddles. Tales, they say, imbibed with a spirit that can bind you as easily as it can set you free. 
And she began to remember the first time she heard him tell a tale. It was in the Jenna Auditorium. Those who were there said it was like a spell had been cast over the entire audience. Many reported having the most extraordinary experiences as if their minds were opened such that they understood his riddles. Some others left tongue-tied and others quite confused. Later, she was introduced to him as she stood beneath the famous painting of the satyr Bacchus by Simeon Solomon. Martin introduced them, of course. Now it was bugging her that she had forgotten who he was. How can anyone forget Lex, the legend? It was bugging her all the more that she still could not recollect his full name. It seemed he remembered her, not that he mentioned it. She just had the feeling and felt safe in his company. But Lex had all the pressing business to attend to as well. He needed to visit Envergen one more time. So he excused himself. Relax for a while. I'll be right back. Hello and welcome to The Journey, your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. This episode of A Soundbite Life, episode three, A Life Hanging in the Balance, was written, produced, and narrated by Neville D'Angelo in collaboration with BMT Audio. Actors in order of appearance include Anita Marina as Pina and Neville D'Angelo as The Stranger and The Great Teller. We hope you'll enjoy each episode of this dramatized series and much more, including related links on your favorite platform. Meet us on thejourney.riosports.com. That is thejourney.riosports.com The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love. See you next week.